Hey homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turn marketer, turn interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is you guys are coming with me. All right, guys, I'm here today with the one and only Veronica Solomon. Veronica, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. Yes, I'm so freaking pumped right now. So when I decided I was going to launch a podcast, I thought for sure it only made sense for me to have Veronica as my first guest. And what I think is hilarious is that I feel like you've been a lot of people's first guests, haven't you? I have. I've been Kimberly Seldens and I've been um, a Design and Style, Rachel. I, and know. Yes. I know. I think that's freaking awesome. And you I should, know. They should proud. just keep going. Everybody should just keep that going, right? I know. It's, I just, I think it speaks a lot to kind of the inspiration that you are to people. Like, I think that's, that's amazing that you are the first person people think of. And first of all, guys, if you're not, I, I pretty much feel like i done a few podcasts now. You're my first interview that I'm actually going to launch though. But I talk about your group a lot in in my podcast and I'm going to keep talking about the group. But um, Veronica's group is what they don't teach you in interior design school. And guys, Veronica is amazing in this group. Um, She's got... How many people you got in there now? I have about 2,400 and odd in the group now. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. the other, like for me, Veronica's, I'm just going to share a little tidbit about Veronica. Um, she's been, for me, one of the number one inspirations. And I mean that, and I think you already know that I've shared this with you. I, when I met, I'm going to tear up again, actually, but when I met you in High Point, I don't know if you noticed, but I teared up a little bit and it was kind of surreal. And even Dave, who was my, is my partner, my boyfriend was there and he knew what it meant to me because he, he even has heard about you because I have told him like <laughs> I know <laughs> I've told him about like you. Very familiar with me. <laughs> yes, and it's you know they I I I'm gonna be a bit of a broken record I'm sure in some of these podcasts, but um, I one of the things I learned about in a program that I've been following was you know there are people in your life that uh, are gonna show you what's possible and help you open up your mind and realize that you could be reaching for way more than you ever thought. And that's honestly what you did for me. So when I started my business, I thought, well, hopefully I can make this $3,000 a month that I need to pay my bills. <laughs> no, and then it was like, well, it'd be great if I could be making 5000 And now it's like, and, and it was, I hope I can make what I was making in corporate. And now it's, well, shit, like 500000 And I know you're coming up on a huge milestone and I'm not, that's your business to share. But um you know, you've, you've done so much and the fact that you've done it as a solo, right? Yes. Pretty much as a solo all by myself. (laughs) He's just rocking it guys. So, so this is why Veronica is my first guest and I'm just so happy to have you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so happy to be here too. So honored. Okay. Good. So we are going to get started then guys. So my, the first little segment I do and I've shortened it. So the next few podcasts you're going to hear that's a bit longer, but I feel like we got too many other good things to talk about, so I don't want to weigh it down with this upfront thing, but it's just to loosen ourselves up a bit. So rapid fire questions. We're only going to do five. And just whatever comes to you first. 
I'm ready. I don't want to overthink these. Okay, what what is your biggest struggle in business right now? Hiring somebody. Mm, I can tell. Yeah, hence being a solo for what? How many years? Eleven years. Yeah, <laughs> and it's time. Yes, awesome. That's good to hear. I think like if if you start hiring people, you're gonna man, you're just gonna build an empire. Yeah. Um, okay, sum up your first years in business in one word or a very short sentence. Struggles. <laughs> Lots of struggles. <laughs> hashtag struggles. Yes. That could be the hashtag of the podcast. Uh, favorite designer business book? Designer business book would be um, about branding from Kim. I, I can't say her last name, but it's about um, marketing and branding your design business. Okay. So we will nail that down so that we can make sure we share that later. Um, is it the one that has like almost like stars? It's very white. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was just looking at that book yesterday. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, hardest part about being a designer? It is balancing the everyday running operations with the creative part of your business. So, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. So you've got to balance that. So I think that's the most challenging part. Okay. And biggest mistake you made in your first two years of business? That's because I'm in my first two years. I have to ask you what yours was. Yeah, that's like giving away too much. I'm not having that confidence and like not charging for stuff. Okay, yeah. All right, well, there I am. Okay, well, we're going to elaborate on this one, even though that wasn't part of my plan. When do you think, what, what year in business do you feel you started to go like, you know what, I'm getting this, like this is happening right now. Like how do you, how, how many years in do you think you were when you started feeling that? It was probably about five or six years. I was way into my business before I realized that, okay, something's not working. Something's not right. I was doing, I was producing really good work, but I wasn't seeing the results of it. And, um, I, I realized that something had to change, but it took me a while to figure that out. And when you say the results, do you mean the money? The money, especially the money. Um, you know, I was broke and I was working really hard. <laughs> I was taking time away from my children and I did not see that money coming in. And that is because I wasn't charging for consultations or I wasn't doing proper margins. And, you know, it was pretty much, sometimes I would be spending more money than I was making on projects. Mm. Ridiculous, but that's uh, hard lessons, but I learned them. Yeah. And did, did you, what did you have to do to get, was there any mindset work that you had to do about, like, was there any of that for you that was like, I feel bad asking for more money. Like, I feel like I, you know, this, I love what I do so much and it's come so easy to me and there's guilt associated. Was there any of that? Yeah, actually there was. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a spiritual person. And for a very long time, I struggled with why my purpose was, you know, designing people's homes and collecting money and how does money and what seemed to be frivolous and, um, you know, worldly things, how is that a purpose? Mm -hmm. And so that was a huge struggle for me, not realizing that I was actually in the homes of people and I can relate to people and I can help them and get them to the next level in their lives. And so it was hard for me to ask for money for that. And what changed it all for me is um, Dave Ramsey. I listened to, well, I didn't really do his course originally, but I started following along on, you know, his radio um, broadcasts and just kind of listening to tidbits of his and, um, it just completely made sense. And another lady, her name is Sandy Krakowski. Um, she teaches business people, you know, how, how to start a business and proper systems and things like that. And I started listening to her as well. And it just opened up my eyes to realize that, 
we are entitled to make money no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. And so that just started, started changing for me, but I needed to gather up the tools now to make it happen. And that's when I discovered Kimberly Selden and it just all kind of came together. So all those people, it took all those people mm-hmm. to influence me to make that change in my business. It's so funny how, um, you know, you, it's like the right people come into your life at the right time mm-hmm. in order to give you what you need. Um, you know, so Kimberly Selden showed up, like if she had shown up before, it might not have been relevant to you because you just didn't know or, or whatever that is. I have a good friend who lists, who is a big Dave Ramsey fan and I know he has a podcast and I really like my podcast. So now you've just sold me. I'm going to start listening to him and see what he can do for my mindset. Okay guys. So Um, we're, you know what, before we get started, um, I normally ask my guests to, to tell everybody, I'm, first of all, I'm sure a lot of people already know who you are, but for the very small amount of people, maybe by some crazy chance who don't know who you are, do you mind just sharing a little bit about how long you've been in business, a little bit about you and, and you know, your journey? Okay. Well, I've been in business for 11 years. I started out um, just a home-based business. I did not finish my formal design education. And um, that actually affected me in the beginning because it, it, I felt like I, I lacked confidence. So I, I dropped out of school. My, my husband had passed away and I had two little kids to raise. And so I decided to kind of just venture out and start a business um, <laughs> without all the right tools in place. And yeah. um, you know, of course, um, it meant a lot of marketing and things like that and trying to just get in front of people. And my confidence wasn't quite there. But anyway, I, I just kind of kept at it. I worked for other companies in the meantime. Um, eventually, I um, I found a design, a design firm. They were like a franchise company and it's called Designs of the Interiors. I, um, I think they've gone away now. And um, that's where I learned some of the, you know, how to do purchase orders and things like that. And so once I, I learned that, uh, you know, just how to run a business day to day, that kind of gave me a little bit of the confidence to start really reaching out and reaching clients. And so now I, um, I'm in a space of my own, a studio space, and um, I probably branch out into a, I was actually in a studio space about five years ago. And um, I decided to make it really official and have it open to, you know, as more of a retail space. And so, yes, it's, it's just been a, a journey here. And um, my clientele is absolutely amazing. And uh, I just love what I do. Okay. So let's talk about your space. And so Veronica r- launched a showroom. When did you launch that? In December of last year, December 8th, it was my grand opening. Um, so like I said, before that, I had a small studio space. It was a little house, a 1905 Victorian. And so clients were, were able to come to me. But the showroom now was going to be, you know, showcasing my work and showing all my samples and just making everything beautiful. So yes, yeah, so about six months ago, ah, seems like a long time ago. Wow. <laughs> and so how is that going so far? Is it meeting your expectations? Is it... Yeah, it's, it's been wonderful. I have a lot of clients or prospects come in now and they want to dream with you a little bit. And I think that was uh, going in because I worked in this um, um, aspect before where the design firm that I mentioned earlier, I worked where people would come in and kind of just dream with you. Mm-hmm. They didn't really necessarily have the funds right away to do stuff, but they just kind of wanted to talk about their design and their dreams about what they want to do to their homes. And what would happen is eventually they would become clients. Like two, three years later, they'd be like, oh, you know, I stopped in at your store, blah, blah, blah. So some of that is already happening and I expected that. Um, it's not heavy retail, by the way. So it's still mostly a design studio. So I'd say it's about 10% retail. Okay. Um, I still go out and do custom work for my clients, but it's been wonderful. It's allowed me to meet a lot of new people. A lot of the, um, 
new subdivisions right around here. People are just like having lunch next door and they just pop in. So that's, that's been great. That's awesome. And you were saying that um, early on you worked uh, for other companies. Do you mean, um, aside from the design one, were they just, you know, you were, you're balancing your side business, like this business, while obviously needing to pay your bills and feed the, your children's mouths. <laughs> and so, um, so you kind of had a side job. Is that what you mean? And so design was always my side job in, in the beginning. Um, I would work sometimes full-time, sometimes part-time for other companies. And that would be my first job. And then I just, you know, do my design work on the side at night on weekends. And what was the like catalyst to say, you know what, it's time to take the leap. It's time to, I actually had a conversation with a, a member from my group last uh, couple nights ago, which is going to be in episode two, where she's you know, really trying to figure out when is the right time to make the leap where she's juggling, you know, a job and a side business. I, I felt like I wasn't growing. I felt like I needed, you know, I, I was getting clients in, but I did not feel like I was getting anywhere. Um, sometimes I would be taking clients' phone calls while I was at my day job and it just didn't feel right to me. Something about it just felt like I was not fully dedicated to my design clients and I knew that's what I want to do, wanted to do. Um, so I saved up a little bit of money. I was working for a company um, where I was um, selecting finished materials for um, new builds. And um, I saved up enough money, enough money because it was a um, commission type job and I was killing it because I kill it at sales. Yeah, you and, do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, saved up and just decided I was going to walk away from that. And um, it sustained me for what I saved up for about three months <laughs> before I realized that, oh, maybe I shouldn't have left just yet. But um, it, I, I don't regret it. It was time. It was time to really focus 100% on my design business. Yeah. You know, one of the things I told her was um, there's nothing that lights a fire under your butt harder than you have no choice but to <laughs> get the you clients. And, and you're like, the mortgage needs to be paid next month and I don't quite see that money yet. So let me go hustle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's been my, my, my whole life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Designer. Okay. So I, I think it's a good time now to, today's topic is going to be about kind of the initial contact. So I've made it quite clear to everybody that this podcast is very selfish. This is my way of getting more information about some of the things that I really struggle with. And obviously, I feel like it's going to help everybody else. Um, but one of the things I struggle with is when a client first reaches out to me, and I should say a lead, a lead first reaches out to me, what it, there is a lot that, you know, there's a lot of information and managing expectations and like, you know, covering your butt that is involved in all of this. And it's, what is the right amount of information to tell somebody in that first call, in that first consultation? Like, what do you need to say? And what do you need to just kind of reel in a little bit? So I'm going to ask Veronica just a bunch of questions on how she handles that and what her advice is on that front. So I think, first of all, I'm curious, Veronica, how do most contacts, for sorry, how do first, brought reverse here, how do most leads first contact you? It's usually through my website. Um, they will send me an email through one of my contact forms on my website. Um, a lot of them will call as well. So uh, emails or a phone call, but it's usually through a Google search. Okay. And so most of the time it's an email, not... So I, I don't know. I think you have this set up too, but they can schedule a call with you too, right? Right. So they can schedule 30 minutes of a free call. I find that people don't do that as much. I have one this mm. afternoon though, but um, I get maybe 
three to three a month. Um, so it's not as much. They, they usually pick up the phone and call or um, send an email. Most of it is phone calls. Okay. And out of curiosity, this is not a question I plan to ask. Do you find that if somebody calls you versus emails you, they are more likely to be very, more likely to move forward? Is there anything that you've noticed there? Yeah, actually, pretty much anybody who calls me, they end up moving forward because, and I guess we'll get into that eventually, the way I position my, you know, my consultations, you know, I'm not trying to sell like a whole design service at, you know, on that call. I'm really focused on how I can help them get to the next step in their, in the design process, whatever they're, they're struggling with. I'm helping them to figure out the next step. And so that's what I try to sell on that first call or however Mm -hmm. So if they do email you, are you trying to get them on a call? Yes. If they email me, I respond back with an email. Sometimes, you know, because my email will ask, how do you prefer to be, um, um, for me to respond back to you through email or a phone call? Some will say email, some will say phone call. So either way, I'll, I'll send an email and, um, and I will call them and take it from there, just depending on how they prefer to communicate. Okay, cool. So Tell me then, when you do call the client or they call you, what is the first thing you say or ask? Well, so I will ask them how they heard about me because even though, you know, sometimes you can kind of track it, a lot of times you can't. Sometimes it's a referral that got them to my website in the first place. So that's the number one question I ask is, how did you find me? Because, you know, I want to thank whoever it is for that referral. Okay. And then they're like, hey, I found you in a Google search. Uh, What happens next? So yeah, and then I'll ask them what did they type to find me. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> what they know, you know what what to do more of, okay? And so then usually when they call, usually they get right into it. They're in, they're in launch mode, like I'm ready to talk about my project, you know, because they they're kind of being a little selfish at that point. I'm just I'm overwhelmed. I want to get this out, and so they will get into their project and start talking. And I just let them. I let them talk. Um, if I didn't, they'll introduce themselves and say their names. A lot of times I don't even catch their name in the beginning, and then I'll you know. If, I, if there's a break in there somewhere, I'll say, I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch your name. You know, tell me your name again or something like that. And I listen. And then when, once they're kind of finished um, talking about the main thing that's bugging them, I will kind of um, rephrase what they said back to them using some of the words that they used to me so they know that I was listening and I understood what they were talking about. And I'll say something like, so what I'm hearing is you are looking to, you just moved into a new home and you, you, you have most of what you need and you're just kind of trying to pull things together. Is that right? Just to confirm that I understood what they're saying. And of course they will say yes, whatever. And, um, and so then I will start saying, I will, I always try to, um, get them to the point where they understand that this is nothing new to me. Uh, oh my gosh, I have clients like this, you know, that I've dealt with a, a lot. Um, they, you know, this is something that is a very popular service that I offer. Clients usually come to me for this. So I start to set their mind at ease that they've made the call to the right person. And so then I go into like telling them how I can, you know, help them get past this little hurdle that they're experiencing. So I'll say, you know, so what it would start with a consultation that come out to your home. And basically it would be a tour where it walks through each room of your home. Because what I'm trying to do is learning a little bit more about the way you live, um, learning, uh, seeing what we can pull from other spaces and and, and reuse in other spaces and just kind of help you figure things out. Um, I I will talk about things like layouts and, you know, color schemes, color palettes and all that. And, um, and so then you can start hearing that they're like, oh, okay. So 
because a lot of phone calls that I get, they will go to my website and they will think that, okay, maybe I can't afford her. But once I start laying it out and saying, yeah, I absolutely can just help you pull a scheme together or just help you with some artwork or whatever, you can start feeling, hearing the burden Mm -hmm. being let go a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, there's two things that you just told me you do that I do not do and I'm going to start doing, which is uh, repeating to them what they've just said to you. And I actually, and I, I mean, I did a little bit of work with a sales coach before, and this sounds very familiar to what he said. Like you want to be saying things where clients are saying yes to you. Like, yes, yes. That's what I, you know, and that's apparently a good thing. Um, and I really love what you're saying about giving them the reassurance. Like that's not something I've been doing either. So, Oh, you know what? This is great. This is exactly what I do. And I do this often. So I freaking love that. Um, so you know, you've convinced them that they want a consultation. How much information about your um, service fees do you get into at this time? Anything at all? Like, so what would happen after a consultation potentially? So at this point, I'm not, I'm not raising the fee. I haven't talked about that yet because I, I say that towards the end. I have a little thing that I call my little nutshell pitch is kind of how I pitch the fee and, and all the, you know, how I work basically. So I usually say, this is how I work. Because <laughs> when I say this is how I work, I usually hear complete silence. Because now they're curious about like, okay, I, I don't know anything about designers and what they do. And she's about to tell me the big secret, you know, <laughs> so the complete silence. Um, but I think I should back up a little bit and say that for me, when I have a client on the phone, I know for a lot of designers, it's almost like the process of elimination. They're looking for, they're looking to eliminate their client, that person and looking for, you know, the red flags. Yes, it's very, very important to look for those red flags. But for me, I'm looking for how I can help this person. I really genuinely want to help everybody who calls me. And I know Know that's not the best business practice for a lot of designers because everybody's trying to niche their businesses. But I believe that a consultation in a lot of cases, just going out to their homes, setting them straight, putting them on the right path. I've done my job. I can walk away. They don't have to hire me. I'd have to see them again. I've, I've done it for them and they pay me that, you know, my $450 and we're both on our way. And so but I usually want to know what the issues are first. I usually want to talk to them and let them know how I work. I want to explain the process a little bit to them. And then I get to, okay, so this is what the investment is for um, coming out to your home for a couple of hours and talking to you about your designs. And then I, that's when I tell them about the, you know, amount that needs to be paid in advance and I'll send them an invoice right after the call. And um, we book, a, I usually book a, a, the date right there on the phone with them just to kind of get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. And you know what, like, I know that you've talked about this in your group before, how, you know, everybody talks about their ideal client and this and that. And um, I think what everybody has to figure out for you, your business model is I can work with anybody and that works for you. Like it clearly works for you very well. Um, and I have kind of started to take that line of thinking into myself as into myself, into my kind of business model as well, where, you know, I was getting to a point where I was like, I only want this kind of client, but then I thought, well, wait a minute. No, I want big projects that are the projects that inspire me. And I feel like I'm a right fit for, but I also do want those one-off in and out consultations where it's like, you know what? I of course helped you amazingly for two hours, maybe even three hours if we do a power session, which is what I, I do sometimes. And you know what? They totally got the great information they needed at the budget that they wanted. And I 
it's like you, you're in and you're out and you're done and you're, you can focus on those big projects while making some additional incremental revenue right. while doing that. There's, I think it's amazing. And that's, there's a lot more of that that I'm trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, for me, it keeps things interesting in my world because if I was just doing the big projects, right, right now I have two huge projects going and they can kind of feel like um, time, not time suck because you get paid for that time, obviously, but it's it, it just, it kind of drains you a little bit because you're dealing with contractors and you're dealing with the difficult parts of the design process. And when you can feel rejuvenated by meeting with somebody and just talking about exciting things, mm-hmm. that just makes it so wonderful for me. And that's why I love what I do every day because I'm doing different things every day right yes and that is amazing for my cash flow because those little one-off jobs sometimes they lead to okay give me a design plan so I'll do like an e-design for them or a lot of times they more one of the biggest jobs I'm on right now with a huge huge budget that started off as an e-design it was supposed to be an e-design project where I gave her the plan or give her the plans and she was just like "Ah, you just do everything and now I'm doing everything at 8900 square foot house so it's like sometimes you just have to and it's not, a gut thing is, you know, definitely follow your gut. I'm not saying to ignore that. And definitely niche your business if that's what works for you. But sometimes I think we are on that call looking for those red flags that aren't always there or we're misinterpreting them because of a confidence issue maybe or whatever it is. So I just feel so much better just going out, meeting people face-to-face, seeing their home, seeing what they're about, and then I make that decision. Okay, and when you're on that initial call and – you do you try to determine on that call whether that client is a just a consultation type client or a consultation plus I'm going to give you a proposal for how to do more for you yeah sometimes yeah it depends because you know I try to keep it very conversational um, but I'll ask them some key questions like first I'll ask them um, have they ever worked with another design firm before and to me that's a red flag question because yes I just mentioned that don't be looking for those red flags so much but I do look for them, but, you know, I, I know when I see them, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So that question always reveals a red flag. If you have somebody on the phone, you ask them, have you worked with a design firm before? And they tell you, oh, yes. And they were horrible and they were terrible. And um, doesn't necessarily eliminate them yet. But, you know, sometimes you can try to probe a little bit to see who really was the problem. And if you've if she mentions three other firms that she's had problems with, you're probably going to assume that yeah. is the problem. So, um, so you, yes, you want to look for certain things, but you can't like eliminate somebody just because they called you and said, well, my budget is only $7,000. I just got that. A lady said her budget was $7,000. She asked me about um, my discounts. She asked me if, um, if, if I pass along my discounts on the phone call when I met with her anyway. And now we're, her budget is now $40,000. So it's, we just signed a contract last week. So that's, it's, awesome. that's kind of what I'm talking about. It, well, we signed a contract for a 30,000 room and then she added more when I went to pick up the check for that. So it's that, the point I'm trying to make is sometimes it just, it's a matter of sitting down with people, educating them first of all, because she genuinely thought that she could do that room for $7,000. And it was for me to go sit down with her and say, no, we're going to get rid of that sofa because it's old and it, you need a new one and you're probably going to be paying 4,000. So there goes your $7,000 budget. So, um, so there's value in going out and sitting down with people in your homes and, and meeting with them. And okay. So for the lady that you're just talking about who said, I was it on the initial call. She said, do you, do you give me your discounts? Mm-hmm. What, what did you say to her? 
So when she asked me about that, I said, I absolutely split my discounts. You never pay retail with me. <laughs> and it's the truth because I think in her mind, she was thinking, I'm going to give her all my discounts. And I, I didn't confirm that, but I didn't necessarily deny that. I just said, of course, you're going to get discounts working with me. But then I explained how my discounts work. I said, well, basically the difference between what I pay for an item and what the retail cost is, is my discount. And I split that with you. I keep 65% and I give you 35%. So you're paying less than retail. And so she, to, to her, that was wonderful. I mean, it sold her. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, see, this is the stuff I need to hear. Um, <laughs> And okay, what do you say? Okay, if I'm on an initial call with you, I'm the lead, and I say something like, Well, um, you know, I know your fee for your consultation is three, or sorry, for me, 450, whatever that was. Um, what do, how do you charge after? How do you charge if we're going to have a project together? What would you say to that on that initial call? So as if they're asking about my hourly fee, yeah, I tell okay. them what my hourly fee is. I said, my hourly fee is $197. And what I do is once I come out and meet with you for that consultation, we will discuss the scope of work and we'll decide on what you want me to do for you. And then I will estimate um, an, an, the number of hours I think your project is going to take me. And that's what I'll include in a fee proposal that I'll send to you a few days later. And if you're okay with that fee, you pay me 50% of that fee. And then we, and that starts the project. So I'm, ne- I'm never afraid to tell them that. Sometimes they think, it's really high and that's okay. Um, that's why e-design exists. <laughs> right. And, um, so if they think it's high, I'll, I'll say to them right there on the phone, you know, I've had one client actually hung up on me when I told her that, by the way. <laughs> well, she wasn't a client, obviously. No. Um, but, um, you know, some people will say, oh, wow, that's kind of high. And then I will say, well, and, and then I'll get into what my value is. I'll start telling clients and I tell them, I tell them, the consultation for sure. But if the door opens on that initial phone call, I'll tell them exactly what I do for them. I literally tell them the good, the bad, the ugly, the broken leg on the sofa, the ripped skirt on the sofa, the chandelier that came in in 50 pieces. Yeah, I tell them everything. And so they understand exactly what they're paying for. And it's amazing to me that suddenly they realize that, oh, this is not just this glamorous job. She actually works for this money. Mm -hmm. And then they open up the purse strings and you know, pay you. I wish that's how it worked for me. (laughs) (laughs) It will work. It will. It will. So you don't get into on that initial call unless maybe prompted, but you don't bother going into, you know what? Um, I have a 15 step process. Is that more of a consultation conversation? Yeah. So in the consultation, I really get into the deep stuff. Um, I do kind of mention that on the phone. Cause like I said, I have a little nutshell spiel that I go through just say, this is how I work. Uh, and I kind of just laid out step by step. And so of course the 15 step, well, I, I mine is actually not 15. It's, it's a little bit condensed. But, um, <laughs> I'll mention that, you know, it's a process, you know, step by step process. And we'll discuss a, a lot of times I'll say to them, I'll get into more detail at the consultation with you because I want them to look forward to that consultation as well too. So that's actually a selling tool to not give them too much over the phone. Um, even things like the budget, I'll say to them, I won't even ask the budget. I'll mention that we're going to talk about the budget at consultation so they can be prepared for that because when you ask the budget sometimes, and depending on who the client is, because if they mention the budget, then you kind of want to take it from there. But if they, 
you can sense when it's not the right time to say, okay, what's your budget? So you want to talk about that at the consultation. But I usually say at the consultation, we're going to talk about your budget. We're going to talk about your priority areas in case you're not looking to do the whole house. And then we'll talk about what time frame because time frame is a very important part of it. And so I will kind of set them up for what's going to be discussed there. Oh my God. I have so many questions. Uh, okay. The, what if, have you ever had a, cl- a lead? I keep saying client. I should be saying lead. Have you ever, because this has happened to me, uh, say, well, I just, I'm really wanting to know what the ball, like, what do you think a ballpark would be for dining room or living room or the whole house? Like, do you ever get people who say that in the initial yeah. call? And so how do you respond to that? I'll tell them. I'll say, listen, and I'll, and I'll just aim for like a, because I've done so many rooms over the years that I know kind of what the average is um, and the type of clients that are usually in my area. So I'll say you're looking on an average or I'll say the minimum you're looking to spend on a dining room that you need fully furnished is $25,000. And I just kind of spit those numbers out. I don't really overthink them because I think a lot of times we overthink them because if it ends up being $30,000, there's no way she can hold me to that because guess what? I mean, we, I didn't select anything yet for you. So there is no way you could think that $25,000 was set in stone. Right. So, but I'm preparing her for like, it's not going to be $2,000. So, cause I think that's when they ask that question, that's really the question they're asking is how cheap can I get this? And when you give them a higher number like that, they know that it's, it could, it could get even higher than that. So, um, so I throw numbers out or I'll give them a range. Um, I'll ask them kind of like, do you already have some existing pieces? And uh, if they say no, then I'm like, yeah, we're talking about a brand new dining room. So at least $25,000 is what you're going to be spending. And when you say that, you mean like for the stuff, the furnishings and your service fees? Yeah, just for the furnishings. Yeah. My fee, I always talk about my fees separate. Like my fees is like, it has nothing to do with yeah. The, the, the products I'm purchasing for you. So that's always a separate thing. I love it. Um, I did that once in a consultation where, um, you know, what I've started saying is whatever number you have in your head, at least times it by two. Because <laughs> it's, 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 I've never it. had an experience where it's right. So I said, at minimum, you need to multiply that number by two. But I made the mistake or I don't know, I wasn't clear enough. Client assumed I meant all in with my services, but I was just talking about the furnishing. So mm-hmm. they seemed real put off when it all came together with my fees. And she was like, well, and you know, anyways, regardless, that is what it was, yeah. what it was. But um, another thing too, um, you know, do you ever have to have the, like the, the reality is, could I furnish a dining room for $2,000? Sure, I could go to IKEA and completely furnish your dining room for two thousand dollars. So, do you ever feel like you have to explain to people, like you know, if that's what you're looking for, maybe I'm not the best fit for you. Like, maybe a designer is not the right person. Like, uh, how do you explain that sort of thing? Because the reality is, yes, I could furnish your, I could do this for less than twenty five. Yeah, I think I've been fortunate not to have a lot of those, which is wonderful. Um, but if a client says my absolute budget is $2,000 for my dining room, I literally will say to them, sounds like you need just a design plan from me. I, what I can do is give you a plan. Now the plan I'm going to give them will probably still end up being like a $15,000, $20,000 dining room, but at least they can tackle that over time. Now they have something to start with, but I'm not going to take your $2,000 and go try to furnish your room for you. I, I'm not a designer for you for that a lot of times I can I can convince them to think outside of that budget because I, I, and I will literally say to a client that is not a budget this is kind of what you're willing to spend for that but a real budget is actually what you really should be spending in the room yeah. so that budget word is just this 
word that people keep passing around when it's, you know, that's why I don't let clients define the budget because they never give you the right number. I am the one who defines the budget. Um, They can kind of tell me what they want to spend and I will say, no, that's not going to work or yeah, I think we could do it for that. So, um, so that's, I think designers in general are afraid to do that because they're afraid to lose the client. I'm, I'm okay with losing a client if I've told them the truth. And so mm-hmm. that's what I aim to do with every one of my consultations. Yeah, I, I will say like over the last two years, what I've learned is um, I'm absolutely okay with losing a client. I'm very, I'm very happy and um, with, with having gotten to that point mm-hmm. because it's so liberating to be able to say like, no, this is my number. Um, you do not have to hire me. So Mm -hmm. if you do not like the number, then find somebody who can give you the number that you want and best of luck to you. But I know what my numbers are now. Well, I say that, but I mean, I still mess them (laughs) up sometimes. It's like a constant, uh, evolution. But, um, I also know that I don't want to furnish a home on an Ikea budget. Like that does not inspire me. That is fine for some designers. There's nothing wrong with that. If you want to be a designer who, um, really loves to be able to do that for clients, that's great. But I just know that that's not what inspires me at all. And I like to be inspired by my projects. Exactly. Absolutely. I I have no desire for that. And that's why it's either you're going to let me take charge of this project and give you what I think is the best products for you, because I'm not going to put my name on Ikea table that's going to fall apart in a year and then you're going to look at me funny right Mm -hmm. so I'm not putting my name on that number one but what I will do for you I'm not going to walk away from the budget either if I can avoid it I will give them a design plan like I said and if that does if they don't want that then that's when I say goodbye I'm not right for you yeah okay so let's see when someone books a consultation I know that you have the option for people to book just a consultation uh without even talking to you um do you call them anyway. So at least have a, even if they never talked to you or they just booked it, do you try to give get on the phone with them? Uh, yeah. I talk to everybody. Cause even I have the option as well, like as I mentioned before, where I'll ask them their preference. You prefer if I email you back or call you back. Even if they say email, email, I still call because they're, you have to put a phone number in there. Um, cause I kind of like to hear people's voices. Now I've ran into situations where, you know, I've called, left a couple of messages and, um, never got a chance to speak to them. I still go because they've already paid for it. Um, and just hope that they're not crazy people. <laughs> but and that's one of the reasons why I like to talk to them because it's my way of like, okay, this person sounds really unreasonable or this person sounds like an axe murderer. <laughs> yeah. So. Speaking of which, that, that, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, like uh-huh. a lot. And sometimes I wonder, like, I, I, for a while I was texting Dave my address of where I was going. I'm like, if I don't show up home to, at home tonight, this is who murdered me. You know, <laughs> like, do you ever think about that? Well, you know, in the, in the beginning, I was, I used to be concerned. I think because my kids were little and they needed me, um, I was like a little bit more concerned about it in the beginning. And um, I don't worry about it as much, but um, it, it's a, it's, it's an ever present thought, but um, fortunately I've never ran into one. I, I once had a bachelor and I would be in his home like late sometimes with just me and him. And I would be just like, don't even try anything, you know. I, I mean, I wasn't freaked out with him or anything because he was a nice guy. But, you know, the thought would cross my mind. I'm, I'm here in this house with this guy yeah. out just alone. And um, it would 
it would be fine, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's something that, cause I watch a lot of forensic files too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. no, same thing, right? It's, 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 if you watch too much though, you start to assume everybody around you is potentially going to kill you. Um, I had, okay. So I've only in the two years that I've done this, I think I've only had one consultation for a dude and it was, you know what, when I started my business, I reached out, I had, um, I did a little bit of market research where I called a series of people. Um, and I wanted to talk to men cause I thought maybe I wanted to target men. Um, and I talked to him. So it was like a friend of a friend and I did a consultation. Um, and then I did have one guy go call, uh, reach out to me though, schedule a call, never showed up for the call. Then he scheduled it again. Then he sent me a video at night of his condo I just got a weird vibe about it. And then like probably within days, I got a weird email with like porn in it to which it, I think that's what it was. And then he sent an email, which seemed to be like to a mass, you know, a group of people saying I have been hacked or, you know, if you're getting weird things for me. And I just thought the the timing of all this feels a little off to me. I'm getting a weird vibe from you. You know, I try to look people up on LinkedIn and whatnot to see, yeah. get a feel for people. But I was just like, my spidey senses were tingling and I was like, abort, yeah. don't, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't go there. <laughs> no, I'm not going to that one. Yeah, um, pepper spray won't help you there. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, okay, so I think, let's see, I took some notes while you're saying this. Um, would you be comfortable giving us your nut, nutshell spiel right now? Like I'm the lead, would that make you uncomfortable? Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> A nutshell spiel is just basically saying, now this is how I work. And it's just really naming the process. Just saying, so the next step is for me to come out for the consultation. It's up to two hours. Always use the word up to because, you know, you know if, if, you're, if it's 10 minutes, I'm still collecting my money. Okay, it's so up to two hours. And I kind of tell them what happens at the, the consultation. We'll take a tour of your home and we'll kind of, uh, I'll give you recommendations as I walk through. We can talk about color palettes and so on. So kind of um, sum that up. After which I will send you uh, a couple days later, I will send you the fee proposal. And the fee proposal basically is defining the scope of work that we've agreed to and outlining what my design fee is going to be to do this work for you. My design fee is based on hours and um, times my hourly fee, of course. And so I said, they can expect that in two days. And if you agree to the fee and want to move forward, then you pay 50% of that. And that's what prompts me to get the process started, to coordinate all of my tradespeople. We come out for a, a day that we measure and take pictures and kind of brainstorm ideas about your space and, you know, kind of just sum up um, what happens. And uh, in order for me to go ahead and um, book that consultation for you, it is a 440, $447 investment and it's payable in advance. And I will go ahead and we can schedule it right now. And I'll pull up my calendar as I'm saying that I have blah, blah, blah available. And, um, then I'll ask them what's your email address so I can go ahead and send you the invoice. So when I'm doing, when I'm going through that, it's, um, I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to say yes. In fact, it's just like me just talking straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as basically what I'm doing is assuming the sale. I'm just saying, okay, so here's the dates that I have available, which one works for you. And what's your email so I can send you the invoice. And it's amazing to me that people like, just like, okay, they respond. Okay. Yeah. Here's my email. Okay. Here the first. Oh yeah. That works for me at two o'clock. Wonderful. And it's booked and um, you send the invoice and it's paid immediately. So I find that it's not like you're like, um, 
forcing them to do something that they don't want to do is, you know, you're getting them to commit to the fact that yeah, I'm a professional, I'm going through this process and I'm doing it with you and I want you to commit as well. And so it, it just, it works really good if you are, if you can just say these things without flinching, I guess is what I say. So. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like it's all very simple and it all makes so much sense, but I feel like I've just learned so much just now in, in this very <laughs> small conversation. Did you take any, how do you know? Um, you, Cause you were saying like, you're really good at sales. Um, did you, did you read books? Is it just very like innate in you? How did you figure all this out? Uh, it, I, I've, I've always hated sales. Um, all my life. I, I was trying to sell things that I didn't re- really believe in, I guess. Um, I can sell interior design just because I know that what I'm doing for, for, for these prospects, these leads, what I'm doing for them is going to improve their lives and make things better for them. And so I really truly believe in that. And I really truly believe that this is my calling. Um, before I was in banking and I was expected to sell savings accounts to everybody who comes in and mm. wants to open a checking account. Like, I don't care about that. You know, so my numbers were really low. But here I know that, you know what? I am going to help you. This is what I'm, my purpose is on this planet. And for me, it's just really believing in what I, I'm doing and knowing that, I'm, yes, I'm all about making money and profits, but I know that what I'm offering is valuable and what people, people need it. And so I can sell it. Okay. So I have one, another question that just came to me that has been a big mental struggle, you know, when there's certain things I just like, I don't know how to do this without freaking a client out. Um, using a receiver and the whole installation thing, what point in the process do you talk about that? Um, you mean like on the phone call? Sometimes I get into that on the phone call itself. But, you know, I don't want to overwhelm them too much with that, you know, all the back office stuff on the phone call. But that is definitely discussed at the consultation. It is. Okay. Yeah, right. So it's, uh, the consultation is when I really dive deep into my process and talk about the receiver and the importance of that. And I will literally describe the logistics of what happens to their products. I will, <laughs> sometimes I draw a little timeline. I'll say, okay, so we ordered a product here and then they take six weeks to make the sofa. And then a big 53 foot truck comes and picks it up and then they take it to here. And, you know, so I kind of describe that process because what I'm trying to do is create a timeline to show them exactly what ha- happens that when there are delays, it's kind of not my fault. You know, once I order the products, I'm sitting here waiting just like you. Um, so, but I, and then I talk about the receiver and the importance of why I have people, I pay them for this. And you're going to be paying for that, obviously. It's they, they, their job. That's their number one job. That's their only job is to collect your products, inspect them for damages, make sure everything is the way it should be. They store them for me and then they pull them all together when I'm ready and we install all in one day. And you want that because you don't want to be home 60 times to collect deliveries. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I'll say it to clients. I really let them understand that what I'm providing is a valuable, valuable service. I mean, you don't have to worry about anything once you hire me is really what I tell clients. So that's how that plays into it. Okay. So I'm still working with like clients that are a little bit more budget conscious. And I suspect one day that, you know, I won't be working with that as much. Um, But I have not used a receiver yet. I'm, I'm gearing to use one for not a huge project, but a project that I feel like, you know, it might just make it smoother after doing an entire home without a receiver, I realized how I will never do that again. It was a complete and utter nightmare. Not only was it um, choppy and things showing up potentially damaged um, and it didn't look good, but the client doesn't see the final picture. So they question things along the way because they don't see it. Um, 
What do you say if a client says, well, how much is that going to cost? When obviously you don't know, do you have like, um, you know, how do you respond to that? And, and what if they say, well, I don't really want to pay those additional fees. I'd rather just have it all come here right away. If a client tells me they don't want to pay that, then I don't want to work with that client because that's a part of my process I'm not willing to compromise on. I will literally say to them that I'm not the right designer for you. Um, and um, it's all built into their budget. So yes, I, I break it out, down as a line item. And what I do is at the presentation meeting when I'm presenting my clients with their budgets um, that I have defined for them, um, that is included as a line item and it's an estimate. And so what I've, what I've done is I've pulled from my, um, my knowledge and my experience with working with procedures for 11 years and um, I can kind of figure it out and uh, then I'll maybe add another 10% or so to it just to kind of be sure but I usually try to be somewhere between maybe 10 to 15% of the budget to um, for what um, it's going to cost and sometimes it's more than that and I give them the reality of I, I, in fact, I just got a quote back from a company I'm ordering a bed and um, what else am I ordering a table and the, the, it's $800 is freight that's just wow. freight $800. And so that's the reality is like, you cannot, you cannot properly estimate this amount. So I show them this line item and said, uh, and I'll say to them, this is what I'm estimating your freight and receiving and delivery charges are going to be. It could be much more than this. It could be a little bit less. Okay. And then I, they have to face the reality that I'll bill them for the extra. What I'll also do on really large projects, I have a huge project right now where I'm doing a whole house, and I also collected a contingency budget, and I call it a contingency budget just budget just because it's a it works like a retainer where um, that money is just there sitting in case I need it for any random stuff, which I already needed it for random stuff, um, and so that contingency budget can be anywhere from about five to ten percent of the budget as well, and um, that that is to cover any excesses in freight or cover any anything that's unforeseen or just little things that um, one <laughs> one thing that happened on this particular job is the people who came in to do the flooring because we removed the bookcase and we had to patch the flooring. They didn't do a good job of it. And so now I had to bring somebody else out to do the floor. So that's where that money came from was a contingency budget, you know, because I didn't want to have to run back to the client and say, oh, guess what? I need $350 to cover that, you know? So it's so important to discuss these things with your clients up front because when you present them with that full budget at that meeting, and they understand what's included in it, and you're not running back and forth asking them for more money for little things here and there, it goes so much smoother. Because just think mm -hmm. about it. If people are coming back to me, you know, I'm doing work on my house right now, and if I was getting nickel and dimed all over the place, that would just add so much frustration to, to the process. So I try to, to, to prevent that as much as I can. Okay, and uh, the... If, okay, they're saying, I don't want to pay that. You're not the client for me. Would you say maybe an e-design is the right thing for you then? Or would you just be like... Done. I, I don't want to work with you, period. Well, yeah, I mean, I may suggest an e-design because for me, <laughs> as a salesperson, I don't like to walk away from money. Um, so it does not mean that I, I won't work with... The only clients I won't work with is like nasty, rude people, okay? So yeah. anybody else, as long as they have realistic expectations of what their budget will, budget will allow, I will work with them. So if I present an e-design and they want to do that, that's fine. And of course, all the deliverers will come to them if that's what they really, really want. <laughs> right. So, uh, But I tell them you know, I really get so um, descriptive sometimes. And I will be like, you kind of don't want a sofa showing up in five pieces. Okay. So you might want to let that go to the warehouse, just saying, you know, and when you tell them the reality, cause they don't think about the reality of like your table is coming in a box with in 25 pieces, you're going to have to assemble that. Why would you want to do that? You know? So when you, 
discredit because they don't know that. They think the table is going to come in one piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Okay. And when you, uh, at the presentation, you said you give them the whole budget. Do you um, actually already call the manufacturer to confirm what they think that the freight is going to be? Or are you estimating at that time, but you're going to firm up those prices once you get the green light? Right. All of those are estimates. So sometimes you will request, um, cause when I'm putting together all of the pieces that I'm sourcing, obviously they, cause you don't even know the freight. Most of the, the manufacturers don't even know the freight until they're actually shipping that item to you. So, um, so it, it's all estimated from the very beginning. Um, but sometimes in some cases you can, like, um, I have some vendors that have like a freight program and their freight is always like 10% or it's always like 14% or whatever it is. So that's easier okay. to do. Okay. Well, honestly, I was going to go into a whole other segment, but I just feel like we, we dove really deep in all of that and it was amazing. And I, I feel like I've learned so many very, you know, simple, but very strategic things to do on those initial calls, um, where I've been really struggling with like, how much is too much information and what's the right thing to say? What's like, what shouldn't I be saying? So thank you so much for that. Um, I noticed on your Instagram today that you have launched a new membership site. Do you want to share with everybody what that's all about? Yes, absolutely. So my membership site, it's always been there, but I relaunched it. So it's not always, it's been there for about a year. And I, I have a core group of um, designers that um, are part of this group. And it's just really diving a little bit deeper into my processes and um, sharing some of the forms that I use and um, my contracts. And so I give them a little bit more information because, you know, they're paying a monthly membership fee to be a part of this group. And so I relaunched it because it started off a little small and I had created this platform myself. And um, it started growing so much that I was like, ah, I got to ramp this up a little bit. So that's what the launch was about today. So it is veronicasolomonuniversity.com. And um, if you go there, you can see more information and you can sign up um, or you can just um, schedule a mentoring session because I do that as well, where I can kind of chat with you for an hour about whatever is challenging um, in your business that you kind of want to get unstuck. (laughs) Which is like still on my list of things that I need to do. For me, it's like I need to schedule it when like something very specific comes up. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, full disclosure, it was a slower part of the year for me, the first two months. So I had to kind of reel in some of my plans on that. But that is, I am definitely scheduling. I have talked with Veronica before um, and it's totally well worth it. So I'm going to be scheduling more of those for sure. Um, Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, follow you on all your social media channels and what your design website is? Okay. So um, it's veronicasolomonuniversity.com. If you go there, you can just sign up or you just go there for information. Um, And of course, my Facebook group, um, What They Don't Teach You in Design School, it's, it's just a really great way to you know, we can share resources and we talk about some wonderful things in that group. It's just, it's just wonderful. And every Friday you get to share your victories for the week so we can celebrate with you. So it's just an amazing community of supportive designers. Thank you so freaking much for being here. I'm so honored to have like, to, to have you as my first guest. And I hope that you'll be able to come back again and we can do this again with some other topics because that was an amazing deep dive and so very helpful. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Aw, thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, peeps. There it is. I got to talk to Veronica Solomon, who is just a huge inspiration to me. I think I made that pretty clear early in this podcast. Um, At this point, I'm like a fangirl when it comes to Veronica Solomon. And I just, I don't know. She's just such an inspiration. I think everybody, the over 2,400 members in her group, 
will attest to that. And um, I'm just, she constantly reminds me of what's possible and how I should keep going. And, you know, the reason I started this podcast was so that I could hear successful people tell me that they struggled with all the things I'm struggling with. So when she tells me that she didn't feel like she even really hit her stride until I think it was, she said four years, yeah, four years into it. That's the schnizzy that I need to hear. Like I need to hear that and know that the best is yet to come still. Now, if you want to learn more about her, I do recommend going to casavalora.com. That is a great place for even inspiration for your own website. Go check out her services page. It's ram-packed full of amazing services. Go check out her portfolio. She has such a distinct aesthetic. Um, It's so fun and vibrant, and I think that you'll really enjoy it. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast, now I know it's only episode two. I get it. Asking a lot when I say I would love it if you would subscribe and review, but here's what I'm going to tell you why you should. I'm going to take you on this journey with me. I want you to subscribe and review me so that I can get enough listeners so that I can reach my goal with this podcast. I think goal number one uh, for this podcast, aside from, of course, trying to learn as much as I can to level up myself, but goal for this podcast is for me, it's, it's for me to, to get the trifecta. Number one, I would like to interview Studio McGee, Shay McGee, Sid McGee. If he wants to come along, that's cool too. I want to interview them. And at this point, they're not going to want to be interviewed by a lonely little podcast that um, doesn't seem super successful. Number two, I want to also uh, interview Amber of Amber Interiors. Number three, I also would like to talk to uh, Jacqueline Clark from Larkin Linen. So she's in Toronto. Full disclosure, I already reached out to her, but I think I kind of got a little excited I got a little trigger happy there and I think I freaked her out and she did not reply, (laughs) which is totally fair because who the heck am I? Um, But what I'd love to be able to do is set this podcast up for success and show and prove to these people that I'm worth talking to. So for that reason, be a part of helping me make that happen for myself and for you to benefit from the interview with those people. So I'm calling it the trifecta. So that is why you should subscribe and review to my review my podcast. So um, if you want to continue the conversation, follow along my journey, go to Business Homies on my Facebook on Facebook. Uh, basically, just search Business Homies, and you will be able to request access to that group. That is where I rant and rave and kind of go on. It's a space that's safe for designers, decorators, and stagers. So I do need to confirm that you are one of those things. Um, and it's really where I just share my journey and I hope that you'll share yours too. Also, you should totally follow me on Instagram, trying to up those numbers. So michellebinette.design is where you want to go. I share lots of my own work, but also inspiration. And, um, if you want to, uh, maybe get some links to some of the stuff we talked about, go to businesshomies.com where the show notes will live. Uh, I think I'm going to try, I haven't really set it up yet, so I'm getting premature on talking about it, but I will plan to have it once this actually goes live. Uh, I'm hoping to just make it super simple where this is episode two and you're going to go to dreamhomies.com slash 002. So we'll see. Hopefully that plays out. Anyways, guys, that's all I got for you this week. Oh, last thing, stick around past the audio 
that's a lie. Stick around fast, the uh, music, the outro music, because I've got for you some bloops. And so when somebody, you can leave him at the door, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're gonna have to edit that part out. Oh, no, where is that? Leave <laughs> my signature. <laughs> no, you're gonna have to edit that out. Oh, it's all good. Do your right thing. Right Blooper reel. <laughs> <laughs>